Broadway for Monday, April 8th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, over the weekend, you had a very special guest, the busiest woman on Broadway. Jennifer Ashley Tepper joined you, Peter, and Michael for this week on Broadway. She talked um, primarily about the Jonathan Larson Project, which was released digitally on Friday and will be released in actual CD form uh, come June 14th. Um, She's also obviously the programming director at 54 Below. She's one of the lead producers on Be More Chill on Broadway. And as you noted to me after the interview, one of the fastest talkers in the world. She really is. You know how sometimes to, uh, at least I do, to get through a lot of podcasts, I listen at like, you know, Mm -hmm. 1.3, 1.5 speed. Mm -hmm. That's her normal speed. As she has to. Like I told you, I was like, that's the only way she can get everything done that's on her uh, her daily to-do list. Uh, Decaf. Decaf. She's Uh, awesome. I loved her. Yeah, I, I've said it here on this show a, a number of times, but what she has been able to accomplish and all of the different things that she does. And I didn't even mention her books um, and and as a historian and all the stuff she's doing. But she I don't think we fully appreciate because she so is so accessible and because she is so um, so ingrained in the culture of Broadway fans. I don't think we appreciate just how special and revolutionary and important she is not only for theater and Broadway now, but I think she has already, even if she stopped working today has already created a legacy that is going to last for generations by bringing some of the things that she has to a a wider audience. So uh, anytime that Jennifer Ashley Tapper can grace the airwaves of Broadway radio, I think that's a good thing. She was uh, running out on a Sunday morning after talking with us to do a production meeting for the Joe Icona Soft Broadway show. So, uh, yeah. 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 That is uh, Broadway Bounty Hunter. That is, yeah. uh, they just uh, are in the middle of auditions. That'll be coming to an off Broadway theater later this summer. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Let's move right into the uh, first story of the day. The reviews are in for the latest Broadway, Broadway revival of Oklahoma. Yes, they are, James. And this is the – we haven't really been calling it Sexy Oklahoma as much. I think I kind of wore that yeah. out by the time it uh, uh, it finished up at St. Anne's Warehouse. But this is the Daniel Fish-directed revival of the iconic Rodgers and Hammerstein musical that played St. Anne's Warehouse down in Brooklyn uh, in the fall of last year and had originally been upstate uh, New York in 2015. The show, directed by Daniel Fish, uh, stars um, – uh, Damon Duano as Curly, Rebecca Naomi Jones as Lori, uh, Mary Testa as Aunt Eller, Ali Stroker as Ada Wanny, James Davis as Will Parker, uh, Patrick Vale as Judd Fry, and others. This is, as I don't think I need to tell you, but if I do, this is a very reimagined version of Oklahoma without actually doing much in terms of changing. I, I think one of the reviews I'm going to talk about here talks about the fact that there is no changes in the dialogue, in the lyrics at, at all in terms of changing anything. They do eliminate some things uh, just a little bit towards the end, but there is no actual change in the dialogue or lyrics. Uh, so keep that in mind as you're hearing about all of these reviews. As they have been throughout the entire incarnation in the journey to Broadway for this production, they were primarily on the rave side of the scale. Not all, but we'll get to the ones that weren't. But starting with uh, a a rave, moving away from the dual conversational review that he and Jesse Green employed when the show was at St. Anne's, Ben Brantley reviewed the show for the New York Times on his own, making it a critic's pick. He wrote, quote, 
Making the, his Broadway debut as a director, Mr. Mr. Fish has reconceived a work often seen as a byword for can-do optimism as a mirror for our age of doubt and anxiety. This Oklahoma, for an era in which long-standing American legacies are being examined with newly skeptical eyes. Such a metamorphosis has been realized with scarcely a changed word of Oscar Hammerstein II's original book and lyrics. This isn't an act of plunder but of reclamation and a cozy old friend starts to seem like a figure of disturbing and exciting depth and complexity. Mr. Fish's version isn't the first Oklahoma to elicit the shadows from within the play's sunshine. Trevor Nunn and Susan Stroman's interpretation for London's National Theater of nearly two decades ago, while more traditionally staged, also scaled up the disquieting erotic elements. But this latest incarnation goes much further in digging to a core of fraught ambivalence. To do so, it strips Oklahoma down to its skivvies, discarding the picturesque costumes and swirling orchestrations, and revealing a very human body that belongs to our conflicted present as much as it did to 1943, that's when the show originally premiered on Broadway, or to 1906, the year in which the show takes place. Marilyn Stasio wrote for uh, wrote her review for Variety and said, quote, writing about the uh, or she was talking actually about the darker turns of the characters that Brantley referenced. But she said, quote, this isn't a case of redefining a character, but of acknowledging a character's secret self. It's no gimmick then, but a stroke of directorial and in, uh, invention to play some scenes in complete darkness. The better to allow that private self to step out from the shadows and declare itself. In that spirit, Fish exposes some sexual passions that are kept firmly repressed in traditional productions. In this version, Lori and Curly are free to enjoy some candid makeout sessions. The only failure with this let-it-all-hang-out directorial style is the dream ballet, which is supposed to hint delicately of the lover's yearnings, but is here allowed to go on ad nauseum. Adam Feldman from Time Out New York gave the show four out of five stars, writing, quote, Director Daniel Fish's bold, spare revival of Oklahoma gives us the ranch, but not the dressing. The cast's, uh, the musical's cast of 12 performers in modern clothing, mostly without microphones, with the audience seated on either side of the minimal stage. Uh, the house lights are often up, uh, letting us take in the homespun Western feel of the of the set. Uh, he goes on to talk about when Lori, a wary, ungirlish Rebecca Naomi Jones, is alone with her would-be suitor Judd, the lanky Patrick Vale, tense with incel self-pity, or when Judd's rival Curly visits him in his creepy smokehouse. There are pockets of dark menace in the show's wide-open spaces. Now, they aren't all positive reviews, but in a review that fits perfectly perfectly within the rather conservative pages of the New York Post, Johnny Olakinski said, quote, putting his actors in modern dress, making guns his wallpaper, enforcing every moment that a gun is brandished or even mentioned to have bombastic significance. Fish clearly is saying he's not a great fan of the culture of the Great Plains of yesteryear or yesterday. In a preposterously heavy handed sequence, he even has Judd present Curly with a pistol. This is a spoiler alert here. I I guess. Uh, so if you don't want to know what the ending is, uh, I would caution you to fast forward about 30 seconds. Um, but uh, anyway, he even has Judd present Curly with a pistol rather than the usual knife, which leads to a shocking but inane conclusion. All this in a hokey old show that includes the lyric, gonna give you barley, carrots and potatoes. Listening to the New York audience applauding their own virtuosity makes a guy want to put this Oklahoma out to pasture. I think I know who this guy voted for in the last election. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. New York Post. 
Yeah, New York Post. Uh, interestingly enough, I saw Inc. Uh, last week, so there might be some connections there. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, James, so I, I think this is a show that certainly has audiences divided, but I think to someone to boil it down to say that they're like a... Oleksinski said that they're trying to make something dark that's not darker. I I completely agree with everybody else that the darkness is there. If you have never seen the darkness in Oklahoma before, it's because you are choosing not to see it. Um, uh, somebody, I think it was Brantley, referenced the Trevor Nunn version that starred uh, Hugh Jackman in London, and then I think Patrick Wilson uh, here in New York. Like that is that has moments of darkness, not nearly as much as this. I, I've said before, I had a ton of issues with this performance for this production. Uh, the the Dream Ballet made no sense to me when I saw it off Broadway. Sounds like it still makes no sense. The ending, while it makes sense, it angers me when I saw it. Um, apparently, they've changed it a little bit according to Ben Brantley's review for the transfer to Broadway. But to say that it doesn't makes sense um and it doesn't make sense in the context of this show is completely wrong so um i absolutely appreciate what fish did with the show i think the orchestrations are magnificent and i hope we get a cast album um it might not have been the oklahoma that i exactly wanted but i certainly appreciate the one rnh allowing him to do this with oklahoma and also kind of the creativity that uh, showed a classic show in a different light okay so now that we're through the minor story of the day, let's go on to the main story of the day. <laughs> do you want to do you want to intro it or you just want me to go? Everybody, hold on. Uh, if you're on the New York City subway, hold, put two hands on the bars as Patty Lapone announces intentions to return to Broadway this fall. And yes, it's not she... what you think. No, it's not. Um, although it, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, on the red carpet for the Olivier Awards, James, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, Patty Lapone was talking about what she has coming up next since the recent London revival of Company closed a little over a week ago. She mentioned filming the second season of Pose on FX, which we talked about. But then she let slide that she will be beginning rehearsals in August for the Amy Morton directed all female revival of David Mamet's Glen Gary, Glenn Ross. Now, she did say something to the effect of, we'll see if that happens. So she did leave the door open a little bit that it might not come together. But that would make a ton of sense, as Lapone has appeared previously in three Mammoth shows on Broadway. 1978's The Water Engine, which was actually um, one of two one-acts that were done as a night together. The 1997's uh, production of The Old Neighborhood. And who could ever forget 2012's The Anarchist, which was... A thing. Uh, the question that this raises, James, is what does this mean for company? Certainly they could recast Joanne if the gender bent production transfers to Broadway in the fall. But why would they want to do that? Patty Lapone, along with Christine Ebersol, sold war paint on the strength of their names for six months. Certainly Patty Lapone has some value in bringing a show to Broadway. But on the other hand, James, Glengarry Glenn Ross will certainly be a limited run. This isn't going to be an open ended production. So company could come in the spring, which would just so happen to also mark the 50th anniversary since the show's premiere on Broadway in 1970. So, again, no inside information, but we could be getting a whole lot of Patti Lapone on Broadway in the 2019-2020 season, James. Okay, and, and I think that uh, we had mentioned this before, that this was a possibility. Uh, yeah, we yeah, we did. When um, when it was the first originally announced with Amy Morton, we said that Patti Lapone would make a ton of sense because of her connection with David Mamet and um, 
I think there was another factor in that original announcement that made us think of that. But this is something that we, you and I, uh, and I don't remember exactly how it came up, but we we thought this was definitely something that could happen from the very get-go. So after Patty got off the carpet, she went inside the building. And, and then what happened at the Olivier's? <laughs> well, uh, first off, I, this was the first time I watched the whole live stream. And I'd watched it in parts in the past. But it really is a lovely ceremony. Um it, it is a lot different than the Tony Awards, a lot less performances, a lot less jokes, but it was a really lovely thing. And I got to tell you, the Brits know how to give a touching and classy acceptance speech. They definitely do that better than we do over here. Well, uh, I was thinking, you know, with whole, all the uh, the, the uh, House of Commons broadcast through, through with all the Brexit <laughs> information, we could get that guy that yells, order, order, to come to the Tony Awards to get people off stage during their speeches. Man, we sometimes need that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, first off, let's talk about the, the results. We want to extend a congratulations to our friend Oliver Henry Roth Yay. because he is a producer on The Inheritance, which won four Olivier's including three of the biggest ones, Best Actor for Kyle Soler, Best Director for Stephen Daldry, and Best New Play. So congratulations to them. While uh, transfer. It, yeah, well, we'll get to that. Um, while that is a show that premiered in London, it was an, it's by an American playwright. This next show didn't really start in uh, America. It started in North America and Canada, but then went to New York and then to London. And that has come from a way which also had a tremendous day, also winning four awards, including Outstanding Achievement in Music, Best Theater Choreographer for Kelly Devine, and Best New Musical. The aforementioned Revival of Company also did pretty well, too, picking up both the Supporting Actor and Actresses Awards for Jonathan Bailey as the gender-flipped Jamie, and of course, Patti Lapone as Joanne picking up her third Olivier Award. Did you know, James, that Patti Lapone's f- uh, first two Olivier Awards were won in the same year? She won for Les Mis and for The Cradle Will Rock. Did not know that. Uh, and I could be telling tales out of school, but I think that's what I saw. If not, sue me. Um, they also won Best Set Design and Best Musical Revival, so a very good day for that Marion Elliott-directed production as well. We will have a complete list for all of the winners in the show notes if you want to check them out. But now the question is, James, what transfer gets announced first, the inheritance or company? Or the company inheritance. <laughs> hey, I, I think with the fact that how long the inheritance is. It's seven hours. It's two, two shows. There's a very fairly small part that Vanessa Redgrave did in London. If we want to throw Patty in, if they could arrange the schedule between whatever show she's doing, Glen Gary or company to fit whatever that part comes in an in inheritance, you could throw her in that as well. Hmm. Here's an idea. Oliver, get on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. What do we have in the recommendations? Okay, two things real quick, and I'm just going to plow through them. Um, while I said the Olivier's are quite different than the Tony Awards, they do still have performances. We will have all of those, or at least parts of them, which we're allowed to show um, in the show notes if you want to check that out. We have performances from Caroline or Change, Come From Away, Company, Fun Home, The King and I, Six, Tina the Tina Turner Musical, and The Lion King. And then we also have some exclusive video from Broadway World 
that uh, came from a fundraiser for Broadway Dreams, uh, which is a not-for-profit performing arts uh, organization that uh, has a global reach to uh, to train people around the world. We have um, performances from their fundraiser from last week with Alex Newell, Daphne Rubin-Vega, Morgan James, Jose Lana, and Carmen Cusack. They are singing uh, from South Pacific to celebrate the show's 70th anniversary. Okay. So what do we have in other news? Okay, two things, and then we'll get everybody on their way. There's not a ton going on on the theatrical schedule uh, this week, believe it or not, because everything has already started performances, and there aren't any openings on Broadway this week. So uh, if there's anything that comes up, we'll let you know about it uh, the day of. But talking about other news, last week the West End production of Company announced that they're not Company. Of Waitress. Sorry, had it on my mind. Um, the West End production of Waitress announced that their leading lady, Catherine McPhee, who had only a moderately awkward uh, presentation at the Olivier's yesterday. But Catherine McPhee will be exiting the role of Jenna in London on June 15th. No word as to who will replace her at the diner. But this isn't a huge surprise as she is set to marry music tycoon David Foster this summer. So at least she'd be taking a week or so off to get married if she'd gone on longer. And finally, also last week, the Manhattan Theater Club announced the casting for the world premiere of Bess Wall's new play, Continuity, to be directed by Rachel Chavkin. The cast will feature Max Baker, Jasmine Bachelor, uh, Roselle Collin, Curran Connor, Garcia, Darren Goldstein, Alex Hunt, or Alex Hurt, and Megan Ketch. The show will begin performances on May 8th. If you would like information on this or any of the stories in today's show, you can check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. Oh, you know what? I forgot to send you something. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're having that theater talk thing up at the New York Public Library. Oh, yeah, May, yeah. We talked about Things like before. that. Yeah. The mm-hmm. tickets on Eventbrite just went, uh, quote unquote, on sale. They are free, but you can make a donation to the library if you'd like. But I'm, the, I'm sure they'll go fast. But uh, if you uh, get over to Eventbrite, you can find those tickets. I'll send it the link to you, Matt, so you can put it awesome. in the show notes. Perfect. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMAT. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for kicking off your week with us. And Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow. 